When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Game Over Vancouver on a night where the Vancouver Canucks move back to eight games over 500 with a big 2-0 victory over the Minnesota Wild. My name is Clay Emo. I am Canuck Clay here on YouTube and on Twitter or X, and I'm so glad that you're here with me tonight. We're going to break down this game. We are going to talk about some of the bigger stories facing the Vancouver Canucks and basically, I had to do a bit of scouting because I'm actually doing game over at Edmonton tomorrow night as the Oilers host this exact same Minnesota Wild team. So I, I barely could get through one game watching the Minnesota Wild, but now I, I guess uh, um, I'm going to be doing two games of the Minnesota Wild, but at least I get to take an Edmonton Oilers perspective. But that's tomorrow night. Let's worry about tonight first. So once again, welcome if you're new here, we cover all seven Canadian hockey teams with post-game shows called Game Over on this SDPN channel, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. So I would love if you guys would subscribe to SDPN. Right now, we're at 97,000 subscribers, getting, making our way to 100,000. Not sure if we're going to get there by the, by the end of this year, but that's our goal. So make sure you subscribe. You can also hit the notification bell so you, you get notified, you get reminded. You should know every time the Canucks play, like I know every time the Canucks play. But just in case you weren't sure if we we're doing a show or not, hit the notification button. And it's important that you like the video. There are already 35 of you in here, which is awesome because we're all in a good mood that the Canucks won. Well, those of you who are Canucks fans, but I don't see one single solitary like. So I'm not sure if you didn't you want to see Parker or Sam or Kaya, but you're stuck with me tonight. So make sure you like the video, like the fact that we are here talking about a Canucks win, like the fact that the Canucks are indeed eight games over 500, trying to keep pace with the red hot LA Kings and with the Vegas Golden Knights. Those two teams seem to keep winning. And yes, the Vancouver Canucks are now back to their usual Loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. It has been alternating losses and wins for the last 10 straight games. So the Canucks will need to try and break out of that streak with, with hopefully two wins as opposed to two losses. And they have a chance to do that when they host the Carolina Hurricanes this Saturday night. But let's talk about tonight's game. So once again, subscribe to SDPN, like the video, hit the notification button. And if you can remember at the end of the stream, um, make sure you like uh, and follow and subscribe to me at Canuck Clay as well. So I'm going to break down the game. It was a very, I think this is a classic definition of low event hockey, but I'm going to do my best to keep it exciting. And then, then I'll talk about a couple bigger issues facing this Vancouver Canucks team. And then we are going to end off with um, your, your questions, and your answers, what we call the, the game over presser. So I look forward to all of that and uh, we'll see how the next 30 to 40 minutes goal. So once again, welcome. And we are the only show on the SDPN network right now because we usually get that as the, the only Canadian team in the Pacific time zone. Unless, of course, another Canadian team is playing in 
the Pacific time zone. So 2 nothing. The first period was a disaster, an absolute dog's breakfast. I'm. This was the only reason why the Canucks weren't, well, there are two reasons why they didn't, weren't losing after the first period. The biggest reason was Casey DeSmith. He makes 12 saves. Well, he makes 26 saves the entire night, but he makes 12 saves in the first period. You guys, the Canucks didn't even get a shot on net until about 10 minutes in, and that shot didn't even hit the net. So they weren't credited with their first shot and goal until 11 or 12 minutes into the first period. My son, Sean, was at the game. I was texting him, and he said, yeah, it was, it was pretty brutal. I, watching at home, it was very brutal. And just like the fans at Rogers Arena did, I, uh, our whole family watching at home gave the Canucks a sar- sarcastic clap when they uh, got their first shot on net. And they wind up ending up getting four shots on goal in that first period. But of those four shots on goal, one of them goes in. And it is Niels Hoglander who scores that goal continuing his red hot pace he has nine goals now nine goals on the season and if you remember, if you remember this play started in the vancouver canuck zone and it was a quick up from i think it was myers and then it became um yeah it was myers up <laughs> what was funny about this play actually there, there are a couple funny things about this play it was myers up to besser who found hoglander streaking through uh, actually hoglander that's the wrong word he wasn't streaking through the the middle well, streaking is not the right word to use anyways. He was skating quickly through the middle. But even skating faster than Hoglander was Nikita Zadorov. He starts in his own end, and I think he thought it was Pavel Bure because he skates straight up the middle. And it's one thing if you're five foot six like me skating up the middle, but Nikita Zadorov is six foot six skating up the middle. Obviously, he has to draw the attention of not only a Minnesota defenseman or a forward, I can't remember who it was, but of course of Gustafsson in the net too, because there's a six foot six Russian guy skating right at you. So Hoglander was smart. After receiving the pass from Besser, he holds onto that puck. He sees Zadorov whip past him. Remember, Besser's not the fastest skater anyways. So Zadorov whips past him, goes towards the net. It wasn't like Zadorov was going to stop and wait for one time or no. He went straight to the net. Miller then was coming in from the left side, almost as a decoy, but a, a good alternative uh, for, for Hoglander. And Hoglander then puts a, a good wrist shot past Gustafsson who had to be a little bit distracted, at least a little bit distracted by the six foot six Russian player skating at him. And then it was a really, really good play. Actually Miller with the, with the decoy or distraction or whatever, maybe decoy is the right word. And we'll say Zadorov was the dis- distraction. And then Hoglander was the one who actually did the damage. So triple D there. We had a decoy, we had a distraction and we had the actual uh, damager, if that makes sense. So Hoglander with his ninth of the season puts the Canucks up one, nothing and they escape. They escape out of the first period, outshot 12 to 4, but winning 1 to nothing. And he also, not much else in the first period to talk about. Ian Cole took one penalty, a hooking penalty against Matt Boldy, but the Canucks were able to kill off that power play. But speaking of which, Minnesota had one power play, the Canucks had two. Canucks power play looked good, although it didn't convert, but not a lot of penalties in this game. So not really a dirty game. Uh, it was, but the game certainly got more exciting as as it went on for sure and well it couldn't have gotten any worse second period second period uh, it was reversed whereas the first period minnesota outshot canucks 12 to 4 in the second period it was the canucks outshooting the wild 10 to 4 and uh, i i'm pretty sure rick Tockett had a few things to say to about his how about his team uh, to his team in the first second first intermission because they came out in the in the second uh, second period and they played a lot better they controlled they dominated stretches of the play 
and like I said, not shooting Minnesota 10 to 4. Now, in this period, there was a, a John Merrill elbowing penalty against Connor Garland. And Merrill, it wasn't even a malicious elbow. He was actually a natural flow. It wasn't dirty, but because of how s- small Garland is, Garland's face is where Merrill's elbow is. So Merrill gets a penalty. Canucks can't convert on that power play. And then Middleton um, and Joshua get into a fight. It wasn't much of a fight. It looked like Middleton uh, got the best of Joshua, but I don't know if Joshua kind of lost his balance. I don't think he got tagged, but it ended up with Middleton standing over Joshua. And then later in the in the in the frame, we also had a Frederick Goudreau holding penalty against Connor Garland. So Garland was basically um, was the reason why Minnesota took two penalties. Now ultimately the Canucks didn't didn't uh, capitalize on the power play, but it was still a really good. Um, a good period for Connor Garland. And and we're going to talk about Connor Garland in the third period as well. Also in that period, I'm pretty sure that was the one where Bluger put it off of the crossbar, off of a really nice uh, penetration and pass from Quinn Hughes. And I believe that was also the same, the same um, period where JT Miller got robbed twice on, I can't remember if it was the early power play or the late power play, but he got robbed twice. The first one was, a, I think it was a cross-ice pass from Petey or someone or Besser, and Gustafson made the save. And the second one, it was another pass. This one was from Petey for sure. We we could saw this play uh, kind of developing. Miller on the doorstep and simply uh, put the puck off the post. So yeah, it could mean 3 nothing um, at the end of that period because of Bluger's crossbar and because of Miller's post. And Casey Smith was barely, barely uh, tested in the second period. So it was 12-4 for shots at Minnesota in the first period. It was 10-4 for shots in the Canucks in the second period. And then it was 10-3 Minnesota in the third period. So it kind of went dun, 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 dun. Although that, oh, the third period, even though the shots were 10-3, I'm not sure if a lot of them came when their, their net was empty, but the Canucks didn't, um, it didn't feel like they were badly outplayed in the third period. I'm, I'm looking at the advanced stats um, just before I, I talk about the third period and the expected goals for the Canucks were 1.31 and the Wild were 1.85. Okay, so it was, um, yeah. So whereas Minnesota really dominated the first period, Canucks really dominated the second period. The third period was a bit closer even, but it was still uh, in Minnesota's advantage would make sense looking at the shots. Then high danger chances, the Canucks only had six. And Minnesota had 11 for so for Casey DeSmith to get uh, the shutout uh, facing 11 high danger chances, that's a good night for him. So, anyways, the third period starts though with a Vancouver Canucks goal, and this was Teddy Bluger. And and I think um there was one play is escaping my mind right now. Oh no, it was in this period as well. So for the goal, Noah Juleson did some good work. Uh, we we kind of rag on Juleson a little bit, at least in the Vancouver market, but let's give him credit. Did some really good work on that at the blue line. Then Joshua also with Juleson standing their ground, keeping the puck in. Joshua tips the puck to Garland and Garland puts a beautiful feather pass to Bluger between past or and between two Minnesota Wild defenders right on Bluger's stick. He does an inside outside move or right left move, whatever you call it, and then puts it past Gustafson and that was beautiful and the way it was going the way DeSmith was playing uh, you couldn't guarantee it at the time there's no way you can guarantee something like this but you felt like the Canucks had a good chance to win this game up to nothing granted they still had the whole three period to play because this, this goal happened two minutes and five seconds in but it was a really really nice goal by Bluger and now the Canucks are up to nothing and it's not like they sat back and tried to protect the lead 
but um, maybe three shots and goal kind of shows that they did. A couple other, uh, one de- definite nice play of note. There was another play where Garland um, sprung Besser for uh, a breakaway. And then Garland's shot, Garland's pass was so good. It was right through the neutral zone and he put it right on Besser's stick. Besser showed a lot of speed. But he's probably the fastest I've ever seen him skate. Fakes a forehand snapshot, which is what you'd expect from him. And then goes backhand, a really nice move. And, and he put it off the post. So he, he had Gustafson beat. So there's a, there's two posts then. It was a, a post for Miller in the second, a post for Bester in the third, and a crossbar from Bluger in the second. So uh, I consider those high danger chances, considering all those shots beat the goalie. So the Canucks could have conceivably won 5 nothing um, if they didn't hit any of those those irons. But then, of course, you could say that Minnesota could have scored on some of their opportunities. The only other thing of note, Minnesota posed their goalie with about two minutes left. And then uh, a bit scrambly, a bunch of broken sticks lying around. And then uh, Pat Maroon, uh, I think we'd agree that Pat Maroon's best days are behind him. He gets into a little bit of a tiff with the aforementioned Nikita Zadorov. Uh, Maroon's a big boy too, and I think he has three Stanley Cup rings, so I, I can't really make fun of him. But um, not much of a fight. It was it was Zadorov and Maroon basically holding each other. And when you're that big, uh, you, I don't think you want to get rocked. Uh, Maroon's, I'm sure, 6'3", 6'4", Zadorov 6'6". And either guy, as, as big as you are, you certainly don't want to get rocked. So it was a very defensive fight. And more of Maroon just kind of let out some frustrations. And Zadorov um, continuing to win the, the hearts of the Vancouver Canucks fans. And the only other thing was about a 10-minute delay when the rink crew was trying to uh, replace the curved glass by the Minnesota Wild Bench. And I made a joke on Twitter that got a bit of love saying this rink crew had more ice time than Kuzmeko did in the third period of the last game. And that's something I'm going to talk about in a few minutes is the Andre Kuzmenko, um, where that's going. So overall, the Canucks, uh, a solid game, uh, if not the most exciting game. They get outshot 26 to 17. Faceoffs were about even. No one scored on the power play. 20 hit, 23 hits for Vancouver, 16 for Minnesota. 22 blocked shots for the um, Canucks, 11 for Minnesota. So you can see that the Canucks had more of those hustle stats, so to speak. And then when you look at the scoring summary, because there's only two goals, and the two goals come from Hoglander and Lafferty, sorry, Hoglander and Bluger, you would say that's your depth pieces. Although Hoglander got to play on the on the second line today, Miller's line, and then and then really you get assists from guys like Joshua, Garland, and and Myers. So only Brock Bester would you say that's a bona fide um, scorer or point getter would tallied on the score sheet so are you asking whether did miller have a bad night not really did Pedersen have a bad night not really i, I Pedersen was noticeable even though he, he's only credited for two shots in net i noticed him for sure miller had four shots on net and a hit and i thought he was quite good as well miller played 22 38 pd only played 17 49 in fact there were only two fours that played over 20 minutes and that was miller and besser and then low man was neil zaman with 849 and then the the um uh, so much for uh, resting Hughes and Hronick. They, uh, they did 27 minutes for Hronick, 28 minutes for Hughes. And then congrats to Casey DeSmith in his eighth start of the season. He gets his first shutout as a Vancouver Canuck. And he was solid. He was really good, especially in the first period, really controlled the crease, his rebound. And uh, he's not a big player, but he looked big and he played well. He played really well. And he, and he, he gave the Canucks, obviously, every opportunity to win this game. So this is one of those where the goalie did his part to, in the earlier in the early going and then the Canucks finish it off. You kind of want the Canucks to have a bit of a stronger start, but I think they're going to take the win and everyone 
is just fine. Vegas didn't play tonight, but LA did, winning four nothing, keeping their hot streak alive. So then, when you add it all up, I'm just looking at the the Pacific Division uh, for you Canucks fans. The Sharks won; they spoiled Patrick Kane's debut for Detroit. So the Sharks won, uh, the Kings won. Who else? The Ducks lost. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Flames won; they beat Carolina, and then the Canucks won. And the Kraken loss. So everyone except Vegas played tonight. And when you throw it all together and do the standings, this is how it looks right now. In the Pacific Division, we have Vegas with 39 points in 27 games. LA with 35 and 23. So four point four games fewer and only four points behind. Vancouver keeps pace with Vegas. 35 points in 27 games. So they're only four points behind Vegas. Equal number of games. Calgary wins so that the Canucks cushion over the fourth place team, Calgary is still 10 points. Calgary has one game in hand. So Canucks are doing well. They are back to eight games over 500. We know that they needed to be 12 games, 13 games over 500 to to finish off the season. And yes, Patrick Kane did make his debut today. I think he was a he was a minus, but he got, I think he did 60 minutes of ice time. I think, sorry. You're right. The Oilers didn't play as well. Thank you for that correction because I'm covering that game tomorrow. So the Oilers and the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights <clears throat> were the two Pacific teams, Pacific Division teams that did not play tonight. So overall, a great game. DeSmith, I think, was the highlight. I thought Garland was a standout. And uh, Hoglander, obviously, with the game-winning goal that stands up, played a good game as well. So overall, and even though Jilson, I thought, was fine. There's not a lot to nitpick, aside from the Canucks as a whole not being that sharp in the first period. But no um, blatant or glaring errors. Just a really slow start for the entire team. And that's where we're at. So the Canucks now don't play again until Saturday when they host the Carolina Hurricanes, the same Hurricanes that lost 3-2 to the Calgary Flames tonight. So hold on to your questions. In about 10 to 15 minutes or so, I will take um, 5 to 10 minutes of your questions. So you're welcome to ask ask questions in the chat right now, talk to each other, but I probably won't get to it because it's only one of me, like me. I don't have a co-host or a guest. So likely I will get to all of your questions in about 10 minutes or so when we do the last part of the show. But you're welcome to ask them now and and answer each other in there. But then I will ask, I will re-ask you to submit questions in about 10 minutes or so. So today I want to spend a few minutes talking about Andre Kuzmenko. Andre Kuzmenko, he is making $5.5 million this season and $5.5 million next season. So he's the fourth highest paid forward on this team behind JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, and Brock Besser. So $5.5 million, um, that's what you need to know about, about Andre Kuzmenko. $5.5 million. But so far this season, he has not produced like a $5.5 million player. Andre Kuzmenko has four points, sorry, four goals. He does have 11 assists, so he has 15 points in 23 games. Actually, make that 15 points in 24 games because um, this hasn't been updated just yet because the Canucks have played 27 games. So he has 15 points in 27 games extrapolated over a full season. That is a 46 point pace 46 point pace for Kuzmenko if he played all 82 games and we know that's not possible because he's already been scratched 
for two or three of them. So Kuzmenko is on a 46-point pace. And last year, Kuzmenko had 74 points in 81 games. So 74 in 81. Actually, I did my math wrong. I only counted the games that um, uh, the games that he... I should have counted only the games he's played. So he's played in 25 games of the 27. So my math was a bit off. So that's traveling. It's still, uh, still under a 50-point season. Where last year, he had 39 goals, 35 assists for 74 points. This year, he has four goals in, in 25 games. Now, last year, no one in the NHL knew about his skill set. Well, they knew about his skill set, but they never played him. Probably didn't do a lot of pre-scouting. And his shooting percentage, you guys, was ridiculous. Last year, Andre Kuzmenko's shooting percentage was 27%. 27%. More than one out of very four shots was going in for him. This year, his shooting percentage is 11%. You might say, well, Clay, 11% is really bad. No, that's about league average. So 11% isn't bad. It's just that 27% is ridiculous. So you're saying, well, then if, it, if his shooting percentage is normal, around 11%, and his goal scoring is, is bad, he only has four goals, then obviously he's not shooting enough. You're right. He's not shooting enough. In 25, 26 games, 25 games, he has 36 shots on net. So that's certainly not enough for a volume shooter like Andre Kuzmenko. I just looking tonight. Tonight, he had 12 minutes of ice time, but zero points, zero shots on net, zero hits. So a bunch of zeros and then a 12-15 at the end of Kuzmenko's stat line. Now, we know that he's a very, very popular player here in Vancouver because of his hair, his personality, eating a banana and drinking a Pepsi, which, which I approve of, on the bench last year. A bit of controversy when he was the only Vancouver Canucks player not to don the the pride jersey, so always in the middle of of um, attention for sure, and generally in in a positive way. So Canucks fans are really rooting for him, but, but at the same time, well, I think he's not Rick Tockett's type of player. And there were even a few people last year before the Canucks signed him to his his two year extension that were saying maybe it's better to trade him then sign him and and you say clay that's crazy he had 30 he's a 40 goal scorer last year yes but he was also going to demand a lot of money he's not the youngest player right he came in as a he's 27 years old already so there was a thought that maybe that's cap space you can use on 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 someone else but no one would have guessed that he'd only have four goals um, one third through the season he's better than a 12 goal a 12 goal player 12 goal scorer so he faced the media today. Uh, actually, we should go backwards. Uh, Rick Tockett yesterday. So he, he'd be talking about how he wanted Kuzmenko to be harder to play against, forecheck more, da-da-da. And then in a slight moment of, I guess, of impatience or intolerance on Tuesday night, when asked about Andre Kuzmenko, Rick Tockett actually said, I'm tired of talking about him. That's what he said. I'm tired of talking about him. Uh, let's start with forecheck. That's what he can do. So it's kind of... It wasn't the, the most uh, charitable thing ever. Then today, Rick Tockett was a bit more calm, and he simply said, Kuzmenko, like other forwards, they got to be faster. They got to um, got to forecheck harder and not hesitate on the forecheck because then it basically slows the entire line down. So that's what I was looking for tonight. I was looking for a, a more persistent, more relentless attack from Kuzmenko. I saw it in places. I think he made a couple good plays through neutral zone, but still didn't see enough. And the fact that he had only, he had no shots on goal, it's saying something. Now, uh, we have to look at the context too. 
he was playing on a fourth line that had Neil Zaman and Phil DiGiuseppe. Now DiGiuseppe was the healthy scratch the last two or three games. And and so you don't expect a lot of offense. It's funny how Kuzmenko started the season on the top line with PD and McKeev, and Phil DiGiuseppe started the year, season on the second line with Miller and Besser. And now both DiGiuseppe and Kuzmenko find themselves on the fourth line with Sam Lafferty and Niels Hoglander being the beneficiary. So Lafferty played with with Mikheyev and PD, of course, and then Miller centered Besser and Hoglander. And Hoglander did not look out of place at all today in scoring the goal and then playing 15 and, uh, 16 minutes of ice time. So there was no room for Kuzmenko in the top six, even though he did get power play time. So he got he played on two full power plays tonight, and he still didn't have a shot on net. And I, I get that he's not the biggest the the first option. He's probably the fifth option between PD, Hughes, Miller, and and Besser. But you still think, uh, given power play one time, you, he'd at least be able to get a, a shot on goal um, credited to his name. So I get that. I get that he's not going to get as many opportunities as he did before if he was playing on the fourth line instead of the second line. I get that. Or first line, I should say. I also get that, um, but on the flip side, he does get power play one time on a very, very good power play uh, power play unit. So where do we go from here? Well, Kuzmenko was interviewed today and he said that um, he received the message okay. He said, it's okay, it's okay. He likes to say that. It's okay, it's okay. That he's going to work harder, that he's going to forecheck, that he's going to shoot more. Well, I saw the work harder tonight. I saw the forechecking a little bit, but I didn't see a lot of offensive. Um, I didn't see a lot of threat offensively. And of course, no shots on goal kind of shows that. So where do we go from here? It's only game one of the the fourth line version of Andre Kuzmenko. You know, be really, really interested to see what happens uh, going forward because um, I don't see Hoglander getting bumped from the top six anytime soon. Um, I think it would be Lafferty would be the one to come down. And then technically, Kuzmenko could take, um, then you're not messing up three lines. Kuzmenko could just take Lafferty's spot on that top line. I thought there, I like Lafferty's speed. I always like Lafferty's speed, but I did find tonight that there were times where um, where PD just doesn't get the puck enough because, because Lafferty doesn't have the hockey IQ in the hands to get the puck to PD. He can, he can jostle some pucks loose along the boards or win some races to loose pucks. But the, the next step then is, is setting up PD for a chance or scoring chance. And I didn't see a lot of that tonight. So maybe it's only a matter of time before Andre Kuzmenko actually gets back to the top six. So just before we get to the actual um, game over presser, where I'll take your your questions about the Canucks or about this game, uh, I I would love to get um, some uh, some thoughts from the chat about the Kuzmenko talkit um, situation. As I don't mean situation from a standpoint of that it's it's ugly or it's going to be horrible, but I, I am curious as to as to where, how this is going to turn out. I am very curious. Do you guys think that um, Kuzmenko will find himself, will work himself back to the top line again to play with PD and to play with... In situation from a standpoint. With, uh, on, with uh, Ilya Mikheyev? Ugly or, or do you think that um, he's going to be in stuck in the bottom six, and in particular on the fourth line, 
for a little bit longer. And is this something that he can work his way out of with some with some good work and with really doing what Rick Talkett asks? Or is this a situation where we're going to be wondering both this year and next year if Kuzmenko is going to be the actual, um, uh, you know, a trade target? Now, I, I realize that I can't highlight comments like I usually do on my, on my regular stream. So I, I, I've been clicking on stuff, but they don't show up on the screen. <laughs> Terp says, notice he hasn't really been a net front presence like last year and has shifted to the faceoff circles, rooting for him regardless. Yes, a lot of his goals last year were deflections uh, and rebounds. Great point, Terp. Um, Peter says, Kuzmenko's got to be better, plain and simple. That's fair, Peter. Peter also says, Lafferty has the speed, but the dude can't handle or finish or play make. Yeah, uh, yeah, his hands aren't the greatest, and um, sometimes there's some players who whose brain and their hands simply don't keep up to their feet. Kaya May, my co, why aren't you in here then? Kaya May says, "What if Boudreaux was the Kuzmenko whisperer?" That's true. There are a couple of guys that did indeed thrive under Boudreaux, but um, collectively the team didn't. Obviously, that that wore off a little bit. But you're right. Maybe they're both kind of the same personality. Maybe. Kuzmenko just related better to Boudreaux, although the way Rick talk, talks in his in his media availability, I, I, I was making a point to a friend. I can't remember Boudreaux um, really talking X's and O's and strategy. His was more funny stories or or general motivation things as opposed to X's and O's. But I think um I think the Canucks reporters uh, like Faber and and Harmon and Drans and J Pat don't mind asking. Um, I'm talking about strategy X and O uh, because. Because talk it likes to talk it. Yeah, good point though. Maybe a lot had to do with Boudreaux. That's a great point, Kaime. You should be a co-host on Game Over Vancouver. You're pretty smart. Uh, Dark Wolf says, good point. Says Lafferty was traded for a fifth round pick, so give him a break. Yeah, I don't think we're being unreasonably harsh, and I don't think we're we're putting unreasonable expectations on him. But as you're playing with PD on the top line, um, I think it's important that you do produce. And if you don't, then then move him off that line. And it's fine. He was awesome. He was awesome on, on the fourth line. And it was so good that the Canucks got him because uh, he can play center before they brought up Neil Zaman because Bluger started the season on the injured list. And now, of course, uh, it is Pia Suter. So no, overall, I think he's been great for the team. What I'm saying, though, is is do you want a, a more skilled player on PD's wing? But that's fair. Fair, 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 fair. Carol says, I think he'll get back on the top line, which is fair. And then Rick says, Lafferty, only speed for check, not meant for skills player. All really, really good points. Okay, friends, for the last five to 10 minutes, I will invite you now to submit some questions for the, for the game over presser. So put in some questions in the chat. I will highlight a few of them for the last five to 10 minutes as we wind up this stream. So what do you want to talk about? Questions about this game, the deployment of the Canucks, Casey DeSmith, Connor Garland, whatever it may be, or Canucks questions in general. Put them in the chat, and I'll certainly do my best to answer them. And as I'm waiting for a couple of questions, I reminded to you, to all of you, to subscribe to this SDPN channel, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. I invite you to hit the notification bell so you get notified, and hit the like button as we celebrate all of us being together and the Canucks getting back in the win column tonight. <laughs> Peter says, who on this team is not hood ready? Now, 
I guess it depends on your definition of hood ready. And I think uh, Peter is in his homie G phase right now. So Peter, not hood ready. When I think of hood, I don't think of like guys putting down cardboard and breakdancing in their garage. But I do think, uh, I guess you're asking, uh, I don't know what you're asking, but I, I'll still entertain the question as to um, players that show some hood attributes. Uh, obviously, Zadorov getting a fight with Maroon. Uh, Connor Garland, despite being the smallest player on the team, he shows some hood attributes by not being afraid to mix it up and draw penalties. You saw that tonight. Obviously, Dakota Joshua is one of our bigger players. He could be hood ready. So instead of talking about the players that aren't uh, hood ready, uh, I would like to talk about the players that are. And I would say Zadorov. I would say Juleson, because I guess Juleson stays in the lineup over Friedman because of his physicality. And I would also say, yeah, Joshua has some hood in him. I think Miller could be could be na a nasty piece of business sometimes. I think Hoglander, remember Hoglander as, as flattened guys. He got in it with Kevin LeBanc from San Jose, got into it with uh, Brandon Tanev in Seattle. And and then I think he, he, he checked Jonas Brodin in the boards in his bench a little bit too. Not really where, where Brodin kind of bent backwards a little bit. So let's go with Hoglander as well. Kaya, unrelated to hockey, does anyone know how to use IBM SPSS for social science statistics? I, I don't even know what I just said, Kaya May, so I wouldn't be able to help you, but if anyone can help out my Game Over Vancouver co-host with uh, IBM SPSS social science statistics, um, hit her up and, and help her out. Erwin says, what do you think has been the reason for the up-down 500 play after the hot start? Demko also being um, whatever UD means, D injuries, PD not being well, something else. Erwin, I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination. I think the the quality of the opposition has been a tiny bit better, but not really. I think um, I think definitely the biggest factor is you're missing Susie and Suter, and I don't think that can be understated because then it just makes your defense a lot weaker, and it it, it makes your bottom six a lot weaker. And and remember, Suter had scored four goals in five games and some big goals before he got hurt. So I, I think that's important. So I think the two injuries, yeah, Demko has just been okay. I think our penalty kill has slipped. I think our power play has been inconsistent. And yeah, and even uh, the scoring of our top guys has slowed down a little bit. So all those factors, none where I'm super, super worried about, but um, you still, even though we are eight games over 500, we still got to get to 12 or 13 games over 500 to get to the playoffs. So we still, we can't just play 500 hockey for the rest of the season, you do have to win four or five more than you lose between now and the middle of April for sure. David says, as the Canucks shut the Minnesota Wild out, no Canucks player had a sub-zero plus minus. Yeah, that makes that's natural because they didn't allow a goal. That said, Kuzmeka was pointless and didn't do much. Yes, uh, made that point already, David, but thank you. You noticed it as well. No, I did not see what Watson did at the end of Lightning versus Preds. What did he do, Kaya? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Peter says, would you do Garland with PD and Mikheyev? At least Garland can create and he's hood ready. <laughs> it's a great beard and he seems to... Okay, I'm not going to read that last part. Uh, Peter, I don't know how you know so much about Connor Garland. It's scary, actually. Um, would I try Garland? Tr they tried Garland with PD last year. It wasn't the most effective combination, although Garland does... He does look busy. Um, he does have better hands than than Mikhail, uh, sorry, than Lafferty. And he, and he showed that by making some, two really good passes. Yeah, um, I think if Rick Tockett ever wants to break up that third line of Bluger, 
Joshua and Garland. I wouldn't mind seeing Garland have a go up top and see if he can do a bit more. But um, and I guess it would come at the expense of Lafferty. But do you move Garland up with Lafferty before you give Kuzmenko another chance? Kaya says Hogs is an underrated pest. I agree. At least once a game, he's getting under someone's skin. Uh, Luke says to Kaya, check uh, ChatGPT for that for that very complicated question. Jack says, Clay, who do you think is getting Otani? Even if I think, uh, even if I had an opinion, it doesn't matter because I want to keep this hockey related or at least Canucks related. Um, I do like Otani though. I know my son Sean bought a jersey when he watched him in Anaheim, but I have no clue um, who's going to actually get him. Yeah, Murray says, I reckon they, I like the use of the word reckon by the way. Um, I reckon they miss Susie and Suter. I agree with that. Um, MVD says the 85 Oilers played 500 for a month. That's good to know. I did not know that. Uh, Peter says, can you tell Patrick Alvini is my homie G for life? Can you ask him if we should send Kuzmenko to the hood? Get uh, Peter, I'll save that for my own show. How's that? You can ask me again later. What do you think of Myers? Silver EK Hatch? It kind of doesn't matter what I think of Myers. I thought he was okay tonight, actually. Um, but I know that Rick Toggett really likes Myers. And no matter what we think of uh, what we think of him, he's still the second best right shot defenseman on this team. Behind Philip Hronik, of course, because Hughes, Cole, Susie, and Zadorov technically are all not technically, they are left-handers. And the Zadorov Myers pair, they're better tonight against maybe a, a you know, obviously, Minnesota is not as talented as New Jersey is. And New Jersey really exposed the Canucks' lack of foot speed on on the blue line today. I thought they were okay, and I thought Tyler Myers was was okay. Don't think you trade him. I think if the Canucks are loading up for um, a playoff run, you, that's the kind of player you need for the playoffs. So I don't really expect um, Myers to get moved. Not that you're asking that. Where's Podkolzin? Jeremy Podkolzin is still in Abbotsford. About a month ago, he suffered a nasty injury, hit his head on the ice, took about two or three weeks away, and now he's playing back in Abbotsford. He could be an option for our call-up later on in the season. Kaya says, in the dying seconds, Watson for the lightning slapped shot into Luzon's legs. Luzon's legs. Oh, yeah. Um, but what do you mean? Like during the play or after the play? Or you're just saying, oh, I get it. As the... Clock's winding down, losing 5-1. Yeah, there's no... You, you usually just skate it into a corner or behind your net. I see what you're saying. That's not good. That's not good. Mr. Wilkins said, not too much chaos tonight from Tyler Myers. Yeah, he was okay. Thoughts on the power play tonight? Well, Peter, the Canucks only got two chances on the power play. And both times, the the first unit held the, the puck in there for the majority of the two minutes. I remember that because I remember on both power plays the second unit only got 20 seconds it's not because the first unit was hogging all the time it's because they actually kept the the puck in there was that sequence where miller had the two chances back to back and i'm pretty sure that was on a power play because it was from miller uh sorry it was from um, Pedersen. so that the only reason they would play together is on the power play so i thought they were fine you, you kind of got the sense that they're they're gonna break out pretty soon so i thought it, it, it was it was okay obviously you like if they score but they didn't score but it didn't hurt them as well Kaime says at the buzzer Mott went up to Luzon after okay that's and Andrew Burnett called it out okay that's good to know that's good to know yeah don't do that if you're losing 5-1 that's not the most sportsmanlike thing to do for sure friends I'll take one or two more questions as we wind up 
there's 90 of you in here. Thank you very much on a night where the Vancouver Canucks, indeed, not indeed, they, they defeat the Minnesota Wild 2 nothing to get back on the win side of their lost win, lost win rotation for the past month or so. Any other thoughts from all of you as we wind up tonight's show? And I, don't forget that our next show is indeed Saturday after Canucks and Carolina in Vancouver. And I'm looking at my handy-dandy spreadsheet right now, and it looks like that. Oh, speak of the angel. It sounds like Kaya is doing the show this Saturday. So make sure that you are back here at 7 p.m. No, at 9.45 or 10 o'clock p.m. Pacific time on Saturday, where Kaya will hopefully be wrapping up another Canucks win. Their first two-game win streak, it would be in 11 or 12 games in over a month. So thanks everyone for being here. I hope you enjoyed the show and as much as you enjoyed the game, if you compare the show to the first period of the game, I'm sure you'd pick the show. Second period, I think it was a saw off. Third period, I, th I think you picked the show over the game, but overall um, we're happy that the Canucks won um, two nothing uh, on, on, on a night where it's our depth players and Casey DeSmith who come through for the victory. So on your way out, please subscribe to SDPN, like the video on your way out, and you can hit the notification button. And if you want to follow my work as well, I'm Canuck Clay here on YouTube and on X, formerly Twitter. You can follow my work there. And if you're not sick of me and you still want some more Canucks talk, you can, um, I'm doing my own show 20 minutes from now. For those of you not in the Pacific time zone, I don't know why you'd want to stay up to watch more of me. But for anyone else, I'll be starting in 20 minutes on my own channel, Canuck Clay. Saturday night, it's Vancouver, it's Carolina, and it's the wonderful Kaya May as your host. Friends, thank you for being here. Um, and enjoy the rest of your night. Enjoy the rest uh, of your week, your work week, as we head into the weekend. Okay, friends, stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, and take care of each other. Good night.